You know, uh, interesting year we're living in right now, 2020. And my heart goes out to those in Lebanon right now and the Lebanese community. And um, Wow. Just when you think you can't expect anything else, we see something happen like what happened in Beirut this week. My heart goes out to them. But church, let's remember that he said he would be with us. He would not leave us. In fact, Jesus said, it's better that I go to heaven so that the Father can send another to you. He is called the Comforter. Right now, let me tell you, no matter what's in your life right now, the Comforter is with you. And He fights for you. And He lifts you up. And He's there to bring words of encouragement into your life. So right now, if you're feeling anxious about anything, why don't you just take this moment just to breathe in the Spirit of God Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Allow His peace which passes all understanding invade every part of your being. It's almost like a surrender. You surrender to Him, knowing that He's got this. Church, the Lord is not worried. The Lord is not anxious. He's God. He's your God. And the beautiful thing is we can rely on Him. You can rely on Him right now. Lean on Him and allow His presence to bring peace into your life. Amen. If you're from the Lebanese community and you know people in Beirut, just want to let you know we're praying for you. Who knows what's going on there in that explosion. But what I do know is that the Lord is with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave and team. And... Uh, Church, you may have noticed we have one singer on stage with a smaller band. It's because we're actually doing what we can to make sure that we keep to the restrictions which our state government has asked us to do. And, um, but you know what? Nothing can limit the worship from your heart. Nothing can restrict the worship from your heart. And um, I do appreciate the beautiful presence of God here, and I'm believing it's in every home right now. The presence of Jesus Christ because we worshipped him. And we do live in unique times, and, um, but what you can't stop is your heart of worship towards the Lord. So thank you for understanding that, and um, I'm, I'm believing that God's still doing great things in your life. A couple of weeks ago, I sort of started focusing on where does the Lord want us now? I actually believe God is doing something new. And uh, that scripture in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus says, No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. That's true, unless. Jesus brings the new wine, as we saw in the miracle at Cana. But um, I took this scripture, and I really felt the Lord say, Rick, I'm pouring out new wine. Would you prepare a wineskin for me? Would you prepare a wineskin that can handle this new wine? And I don't even want to think about what that new wine might be, but I do know it's from God, and I do know He's pouring it out, and He needs His church to be able to contain what He's doing so that the world can experience it. So I thought, thought about it, prayed about it, and I thought, you know, we need to prepare ourselves to become the new wineskins. 
And when I started asking God about that, I, he, he just said, Rick, what verse did I show you for this year? And I read it again and again. I remember what I preached in February at Vision Sunday, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wow, I didn't realise how pertinent that scripture would be um, this year as I read it in February. Basically he's saying, walk carefully with wisdom, making the most of this present opportunity. That's what that scripture means. So I feel like the Lord's showing us a paver to step on as a church so that we can walk the walk that he wants us to do. The, the steps of a good person, the steps of a good church are ordered by the Lord. And he will put steps down for us. And I wanna, you know, his word shines his light onto the path. His word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And I believe he's giving us a word each week so that we can just step. And I'm praying, church, that we as a church continue to embrace that because I wanna see the new wineskins ready for whatever he pours out. What's 2021 gonna look like? I'm actually expecting God to do amazing things. Is his church ready for that? Oh, I'm already seeing amazing things in people's lives, both within the church and with outside the church. I see God doing great things and speaking to people and drawing people to himself. Church, we've gotta be ready for this. This is the mission. This is the mission he put his church on. Go into all the world. Well, all the world is greatly affected right now by a virus. Maybe it's gonna be amazingly healed by amazing God as well, amen? Amen. So what does it look like? What are we to do? I'm gonna continue looking through Ephesians chapter five because the Ephesians church is a very interesting church. I love what I read about them and the history that I've read about them. And uh, it was where Paul went up into Ephesus, found some disciples. He actually trained them in two years. The whole region had been reached by the gospel, which was amazing. Anyway, they established this great church. In fact, if you read Revelation, this church is commended by God. What a great church you are, Ephesus Church. And, um, but in that city, there was a temple to the goddess Diana. And Diana was uh, not a very nice lady, apparently. And um, she wasn't a very good God. And she brought a lot of turmoil into the Christian church, around the Christian church. And I'm reading about this and I'm wondering what sort of existence that church had. Was it an oppressive thing which was always banging on their door? Uh, I do know this, that um, legend tells us that Timothy, who pastored this church for a while, the way he died was he came across a parade which was dedicated to Diana, the, the goddess. And they didn't like the fact that Timothy was a Christian and they beat him up and they stoned him to death. I can only imagine what turmoil the church would have been under and, and maybe why Paul was saying the days are evil. They were under this attack. A bit like the world is right now with an unseen enemy. And um, I can't help but parallel this with today. And as I read this, this instruction that Paul brings, I can't help but think that maybe it's good instruction for the church. So we're gonna read on in Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Let's read verse 17. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Right there is a great beginning. Do you understand what God's will is? What I read out of this is this. It's about God's will, not my will. I cannot tell you how many times my will has been different to God's. One big one was when I was about 30 years old, a young family man, we were about to have our third child and um, I'd spent my late teens and early 20s serving in youth ministry and, and being a leader there while maintaining a full-time job and, and I enjoyed it, it was great, but we're, I'm a family man now and we're raising these little boys running around everywhere and um, Naomi's about to have our third child and I get asked to come back to youth ministry and to start running a youth group. I didn't want to do that. In fact, my first response was, no, uh, no. And um, I'm a family man. I've, I've actually said these words. I've actually escaped youth ministry. <laughs> but um, that wasn't God's will, that I would escape youth ministry. And I came to a crossroads. Is this my will or is this God's will? Well, if it was my will, no way. I want to get on with life. I'm an architectural draftsman. I want to provide for my family. But God's will was different. God asks different things of me. And I've learned this. When God and I disagree, he wins. He's got to win. I don't want to win when it comes to me and God disagreeing. God, your will, not mine. It's a bit like when Jesus was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing what was ahead of him. He knew that he, what crucifixion was all about. He knew that he had to be hung on a tree, as the prophet had said. And He's crying and praying and can you imagine the turmoil that's going through him? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. I think this is what Paul's saying here. Understand what the will of God is. It doesn't always align with our will, but his will must win. It's a big challenge for us Christians in the modern world because we have so many options. We have options plus. I remember as a young kid, I was six years old, we were living at a place called Turrawina on a farm just outside of Turrawina, near Gilgandra, not too far from Dubbo. And um, growing up, and we had two TV stations. We had the ABC with the Chattanooga Cats on it and um, the Banana Splits, and that was awesome. And then on the other side, we had a, a commercial channel with ads, but also at F Troop, and it was great. And I love those things. But then we moved to the city and there were four TV stations. Whoa. And I found a challenge because not only did I have the banana splits on the ABC and F Troop, but now there was Hogan's Heroes. And oh my goodness, MASH. Which one do I watch? Then you go forward a few more years and I go to a friend's place and there's a thing called Foxtel where there's seems like hundreds of channels. And do you know what I found when I first started watching things like that? I actually watched nothing. I watched a whole bunch of little bits of everything and didn't get into anything because I was just changing, changing. The options, and I think sometimes options are not great for us. When it comes to the things of God and what God's asked us to do in church life, options often stop us from putting roots down. Options offers, off, options often rob us of opportunities to grow. You know, it's interesting, you put your roots down and you grow strong. Trees grow strong when the roots are down. 
But if you want it to remain small, you actually make sure the roots don't take too well, like a bonsai tree. And options can actually pull the person up here, pull the person up there, pull the person up here. When God wants you to focus in on something here, his will is this, we're actually loaded with other options. When I think about church life, boy, we've got options. We've got WWW options everywhere. You can get the best preachers and the greatest worship from all over the world. We have options. In fact, you can look at anything at your will. But it might not be God's plan for you. Where has God planted you? What has he done with you? Where, what situation has he planted you in right now? What's God's will for that moment? So many times we, we miss out on what God really wants to do because we actually take our options rather than God's options. We're, and we've got so many good options. Another thing I think about when I think about this as well, good options are an enemy of God's options sometimes. It's not the bad ones. We know not to take the bad options, but it's the good options that can sometimes rob us of an opportunity to serve God. Getting back to my story about being offered youth ministry, I go into youth ministry and I had to give up my Friday nights every Friday night with a whole bunch of weird looking young people who spoke this language which was fully sick, man. I don't know what that means. And their music, oh my goodness. Turn it up to 10 and crank it a bit more if you can. I remember going into the auditorium for the first time and the doors were shaking because of the music. Oh, this is not my option. This is not my will. But for the next 10 years, I had the honour of following God's will. It cost me. A young family man dealing with youth. But do you know what? The greatest reward of seeing young people come alive in Christ. I see young people raising in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, ministering themselves and seeing young people spread far and wide, even to other nations in the world as a result of it. Yes, God's will, not mine. Maybe God's asked something of you and you thought, no, nah, I've got a better option. Maybe we need to strip away our options and just say, well, God, if you said it, everything else falls away. And amazing what God could do with you in that. What could he do? We could change the world, I think. What is God's will for your life? What is it? What is God's will right now? Right now in the world, what is God's will for the Christian? What is he, where has he planted you and why has he planted you there? Why has he brought certain people into your life? It's his will. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Let's read on. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is, dip, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Dissipation basically means overindulgence. It's a word you would use for, for squandering your money. And Paul's saying here, don't be drunk with wine. Don't just live squandering things. Don't be overindulgent. That's what Paul's saying. It's not having a go at alcohol. He's just saying, don't be self-indulgent. He's saying, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the way I interpreted this is, you know what? It's not the time for my rights. It's not the time for me to have my way. It's not the time for me to just do whatever I want. It's not the time for that. Not if you want to redeem the time. Not if you really want to make the best of the moment in your life for God's kingdom. That's what he's saying here. Don't overindulge yourself. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6.12, he said this. You know, the Corinthian church had their issues, a lot of issues, and a lot of it was self-centeredness, a result of self-centeredness. And he actually turns around, he says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything, Paul says. Another version says this, all, thi um, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Some things in our lives, we just clutter our lives up with things because I have a right to do it. But that's not beneficial. Paul's saying here, don't be filled with things of the world. Don't be filled with artificial stuff. Be filled with the Spirit. Really, it could say, don't be full of yourself. Be full of the Spirit, I think. You know, the grace is a beautiful thing that we have. Grace is a wonderful thing that we have. And, but this wonderful freedom, is, it's a responsibility we have in order to live the way that God wants us to live, not us. Jenny Cooper, Jenny Chun, sorry. Jenny Minset, how are you? Doing really well, girl. Really proud of you and you're doing great. Minset, you're a great man. And I remember Jenny telling me a story many years ago about her friend who was at um, Westfield's Parramatta, a good golly young girl, and God speaks to her and says, I want you to go over to that vending machine and do a handstand against the vending machine. What? What? People will look at me. Ah, no, no, no. I want you to do this. She goes, okay. So she goes over and does a handstand against the vending machine in the middle of Westfield's Parramatta. All of a sudden she hears this scream from a girl up at the elevator. She, this girl comes down crying. She gets off her handstand and starts talking to this girl. And this girl says, you know, I'm a Christian. I began to doubt. In fact, I started doubting my purpose for life at all. And I was having an argument with God. I said, God, if you are real, make someone do a handstand right against that vending machine right there. I looked down and then you walked up to it and you did a handstand. And in tears, this girl said, God must love me a lot for cause you to do that. What would have happened if that girl, the, the original Christian girl said, oh no, nah, it'd be too embarrassing to do that. Don't be, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Know what the Spirit's doing. Know what the Spirit is asking of you. Know what Holy Spirit is guiding you and directing you. Do that. And because this girl understood that, would even make yourself a fool so that someone else could be blessed. That's living according to the Spirit. I don't want to live my own way. I want to live the way God wants you to live. It's a huge challenge for us in this, Christian, in this modern world. It's a huge challenge. We live by peace and grace, and, but we live in this amazing freedom, but freedom is a gift to us to use for the benefit of the kingdom. Not so I can just live any way I want. In fact, my thinking is this. If I just live however I want because I live in freedom, I'm actually living selfishly, which is not godly at all. To live a selfish life is to live against what God would want us to do. And I've met many a Christian who get hooked up on grace to a point where they think, I can live however I want. Yeah, you, you probably can. You can. But that's not beneficial for the kingdom. I believe as we want to redeem the time, it's not about self-indulgence. It's about asking the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you. Walk in the Spirit, be filled with His Spirit. 
have the Spirit in your life and not only do you walk in peace and grace, but you walk with prophetic edge. This prophetic where you understand that something else is happening in the spiritual realm. And you understand that maybe God's calling on you at any moment and you're ready, guns are set, ready to blaze for God's kingdom. That's what it is to walk in the spirit. Sometimes we've just got to stop and have our ear listen for those little unctions. Go and do a handstand against the vending machine. Okay, I know that voice and I will do it. I believe that's where you really find freedom. Really find freedom. I believe God has given us gifts, church, the Holy Spirit. He comes with gifts. And I think this is what they're for in our everyday lives as we're walking our journey. These gifts are available for us to actually prophesy and speak words of wisdom, encouragement and words of knowledge over people's lives. To actually you know, discern the spirit of the room, discern what's going on. Discern that this person has, uh, that you're speaking to is not a bad person. They just experience bad things with bad spirits. That's knowledge of the Holy Spirit, you see. And we're called to walk this way. Not just in a church service, but in every day of life. That's what we're called to do. Why has he brought some people into your life? Why has that door opened? Last time I spoke to you, two weeks ago, Sunday morning, I, I made a statement saying, God is bringing people into your lives. That afternoon, I get a phone call from someone I've not really seen for 36 years. There's a guy at my school. And um, just before COVID hit, we saw him at a cafe and we exchanged numbers and it's great to catch up sometime. He gives me a call. Last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, Sunday afternoon, Rick, I really love to sit and talk to you. I'm going through a really hard time. Wow, you're a pastor, aren't you, Rick? Yeah, I am. Are you the sort that helps people or are you the sort of just preachers? <laughs> I, I hope I do both. We sit down and have a coffee. He starts pouring out his heart to me. He's a good man and just needs help. God is bringing people into our lives. Are we ready? Are we, are we drunk with wine, so to speak? Are we indulgent with the freedom that we have? Or are we walking in the spirit? Are we being filled with the Spirit daily, knowing, Holy Spirit, whatever you got for me today, bring it on. Wow. Wow. Imagine what that church would do. Verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. I see this as encouraging one another. This is where we come together in Ephesus right now, or right then the church needed encouragement. They were having a hard time maybe. It was difficult being a Christian, but they needed to encourage one another regularly. In fact, the Hebrews, in Hebrews, the writer actually says the same sort of thing. It says this in verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know what? I can't think of a time in my lifetime where encouraging one another is more needed than now. I can't think of a time. This is not the time for us to unnecessarily, um, unnecessarily isolate. We've got guidelines in which we're actually abiding by. 
But that doesn't mean you become a solo act. Encourage one another. We have technology now where you can call anyone you want. When was the last person you encouraged? Come on, church. When was the last time you got together with someone just to, just to encourage them? Do you know, I would like to be a pastor which actually is able to have a coffee every week with every person in my church. I think I'd probably pick up an addiction, but I don't think that's what God's looking for where a pastor does it all. We've got some very good pastors within our church and even if we all did that every week just to encourage our flock all the time, I don't think that's the way God intended. I think he actually wants the body to do it to each other. I think he's looking for Christians to love one another. That way the world will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. And I can see what God is doing here and, and, and I'm wondering, are we all doing this? This is why I encourage everybody, get part of a house meeting because you're gonna find a faith community that can encourage you. But not only that, gives you an opportunity to encourage others. This is the way the body of Christ works. We encourage one another. It says here, it's very interesting with the wording here, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Don't you think that's funny? Speaking to one another in songs? I'm wondering whether it's much more than just getting together and worshipping. Some people believe the Psalms refers to the Old Testament Psalms that were written. Hymns were what, you know, what the new church was developing with their new doctrine and the spiritual songs were prophetic. I don't know. But what I do know, it says here, speak to one another in these things. And I see the speaking life over each other, washing each other with words. And when you put in context with the previous verse about being filled with the Spirit, it's allowing the Spirit of God for you or allowing the Spirit of God in you to speak amazing things over each other's lives. Hey, if you want to do it, sing it. I think it'd be great if Phil Stubbs sang it over a few people. That'd be awesome. Phil's an amazing singer. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is here. We can't stop meeting together. We've got to continue to meet together regularly. But even outside of our church services, going out of our way to make sure that we're contacting each other in this time that we live, speaking life, washing people with words, because there's a lot of gunk floating around in our world today, a lot of doubt, a lot of discouragement. But when you get with your brethren, you get with your sisters, they begin to wash you with words. Just wanna tell you, you're a great man. Just wanna tell you, you're a lovely lady. And let that wash them over because we need it. This is setting up the new wineskins, a church which is going out of its way to do that. That spiritual song, speaking psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Could it be that the spiritual songs is prophetically speaking over each other? Speaking a prophetic word? Saying, this is what I believe God wants to say to you right now? Wow. Wouldn't it be cool if you received one of those every week? Well, you can, but let's not get hooked up on receiving it because the Holy Spirit is in you. Why don't we concentrate on giving those words every day? Then we come to verse 20 and 21, it says this. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus, submitting to one another in the fear of God. 
Submitting, again, in our modern world, that's not a great word that people tend to like much, but boy, it's a powerful word. Submission is a hugely powerful thing. I actually think what this is talking about is ministering as one church together, uniting together as one church. Paul goes on to describe submission after this. He says, wives, he describes how everyone should submit to one another. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Lay your life down for her. He goes, children, obey your parents. Parents, be kind to your kids. Then it says this, employees, or in that day, slaves, respect and obey your owners. Not popular in these days, but actually employers in that day is probably better context. And employers, be kind and generous to your employees. This is how it looks. In other words, really, put the other first. Submit means to actually come under the one submission, come under one mission together. Unite together, link arms together and say, my strengths are now your strengths and your strengths are now my strengths. This is what we do. Submitting our hearts. Oh, can I tell you, there's nothing more beautiful when you see a married couple and they understand submission to one another where she understands what it means to respect her husband regardless of what he's like. And he's learned to love her regardless of what she's like. Wow, now that's powerful. Let's translate that into church life where we learn as Paul instructed to submit to one another, coming under a mission, understanding that it doesn't matter how the other person is behaving, we love and accept and forgive everyone anyway. We embrace and we say, we're in this together. That's what true submission is. Not out on your own, not living out there, looking in and being critical, not seeing a problem and saying, oh, well, there's always problems. Rather, be an answer to the problems, a solution. That's submission. And Paul's saying, do that to one another. That's a powerful thing, submission. You know, um. Acts chapter two, we read this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. See, that sounds like submission to one another right there. They're all in one accord, one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Wow. Jesus said this, when two or three agree on one thing, it shall come to pass. Submission. I'm wondering whether we can learn a lot from this church. You see, when they came together in one accord, a community of faith-believing people, they came, came together in one accord, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then you begin to read Acts and see what they did together. They changed the world wasn't easy. That's why they had to do it together. A small group of people can change the world. In fact, it's only ever a small group that ever does. Can I encourage you, church, at this time, submit to one another. Again, can I just emphasise why, this is why I'm encouraging right now, house services. Get involved in our house services. If you're not feeling well, fair enough, stay at home. But if you're feeling well, come on, get out of bed and let's get along to house services to encourage one another. But Let's submit to one another in love. Let's contribute with our gifts and, and be blessed by other people's gifts. And let's unite together with a chain, 
which is powerful together. And let's see what the Holy Spirit does through us. When I read this passage of scripture, what I see overwhelmingly is the Holy Spirit at work in the church. That's what God plans. Holy Spirit wants to move through the people who are part of his church. And what an opportunity for us to do it right now. Church, I love, I love you, I love our church. I'm, I'm sort of excited about what God might do. I don't even know what he's going to do. But what I'm really excited about is I feel like he's calling Strong Nation Church to get ready for something amazing, to get ready for his move, his power. We're already empowered by him so that we can be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the world. We've got that gift. It's just about becoming the vessel now to be able to contain this new wine. Would you do it? I want to pray for you. And what I'm going to ask you to do right now, in a moment, I'm going to hand it over to our house service leaders to just lead communion amongst you. Hope you brought a snack or something, some drink. But what I would like you to do is just spend some time meditating on the Holy Spirit, asking Him, Lord, is there any words that I have for people today? Would you like me to share encouragement? Would you like me to share a word of wisdom and knowledge, a prophecy? Is there anyone here who needs prayer, a miracle? Anyone need healing? And I want us all together to believe the Holy Spirit's gonna see things happen today in people's lives. Could we take a few moments around communion just to remember Jesus Christ, remember what he's done, but to also see the Holy Spirit minister to people's lives? building the body of Christ, exalting the body of Christ. Why would he do that? Why would we want that to happen? Because God is knitting together new wineskins. He's building your life ready to be able to contain more of what he's about to pour out in this world. And I can't help but think it is gonna bless the entire world. So church, God bless you, I love you. Let's walk in the spirit today. House service leaders, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to really step out in faith knowing that the Holy Spirit is with you, he's backing you. I want you to pray over people. And I wanna see the gifts of the Holy Spirit ministering into people's lives. Can we do that? Let me pray for you right now and I'll hand it over. Father God, I know you're not panicking. I know you have a plan. And I know that you love us so much. <laughs> I feel your love. Right now, I'm just gonna ask you, Holy Spirit, would you begin to move in every location that our people are meeting right now? Every one of them, with miracles and healings, interpretations. Lord, with words of knowledge, prophecy and wisdom. Lord, let there be healing like never before restoration, reconciliation, peace coming into people's lives. You know what I can see? Oppression just lifting off people's lives even now as we come around the communion table. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I love you so much. I pray blessing and favour over our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the service here is over, but church continues. Over to you, house service leaders. Thank you.